0: I was in a coma when I was 10. It was my sister's 21st birthday and I had a seizure in the bathtub and I was about to bite my tongue off and drown. What do you like to gamble? I'm a big football guy. So do you like football or do you not? Oh yeah, I love football. Okay. American football, to be clear. Yeah, like the better football. The real, the real football. The one with hands. I would never claim to be a Jew. But Nazis, on the other hand, I think would probably be like, you're a Jew. It's one of those weird things where I'm like, I don't see myself as one. But if others see me as one, then I guess I am one. Every country's fucked. We're just trying to pretend, you know We always. on Saudi Arabia because they're like, oh, they don't believe in gay marriage or something like that. And it's like, well, America didn't believe in gay marriage until like nine years ago. How are we pretending to be like the great upstander of the world? Simon, appreciate you being here, bro. Thanks, man. Yeah. Welcome to Ohio. Paradise, baby. It's the best. <laughs> There's no no place better.
1: Well, for context, as we uh, do an intro here, you are a comedian. You're on tour right now. And you got a little bit of a the cough, but we'll let that slide. We'll let that slide because it's lovely January. It's 75 degrees in Ohio. It's perfect weather. And I don't know how you do it, man. We were just talking before we went live, like travel, you've got to be on it like every night, flying, driving, sticking to schedules and performing on stage, man. It's no joke. It's a major reason why I started the podcast show is people fear public speaking more than death. And it's like, man, let's dive right into fear. Let's dive into being uncomfortable. Let's dive into having an entertaining, informative, fun conversation. I just love having the platform. I'm grateful for the platform. Grateful for guests like you to come on the show. And uh, no pressure, but I expect some really funny jokes today. All right. <laughs> <I've> <laughs> and when I get canceled, I'm going
0: to try. Uh, it's good to get canceled these days. Yeah. It's good. You grow an audience. You get a bigger audience if you get canceled.
1: So your accent, where are you
0: from? I'm from London. Okay. But I've lived in America long enough that it's strangely Australian. Oh, yeah. I can,
1: yeah. yeah, I could see that. Okay.
0: It's got a, tinge, got a tinge of the Aussie to it.
1: So what brought you to America?
0: Came over for college when I was 18 and then stuck around after graduate. I graduated in 2020 into the pandemic. And so I had lost my passport. So I had lost my passport in Nashville. I had been on a flight. No, I had been on a flight to Denver. And then I, but I'd left my passport on the flight in Denver. And then that flight had gone on to Nashville and then a lady in Nashville had found it. And then she messaged me being like, Hey, is this your passport? And I was like, yeah, this is February, 2020. And I was like, yes, that is my passport. Can you please send it to me? And she was like, no. I was like, what? And she was like, I'm keeping it. And I was like, what do you mean you're keeping it? And she was like, well, it's, it's, you shouldn't have left it. (laughs) I was like, I didn't mean to leave it. And anyway, so then I... So then that was February of 2020. And so I really wanted to go home because, you know, there was a whole global pandemic going on. And I was like, oh, I'd like to spend time with my family back home. Back in London. Back in London. Yeah. But I didn't have a passport. So I had, and the only passport office that was open at the time in America was in Tucson, Arizona. So I set out on a six month journey to get to Tucson, Arizona, kind of road tripping along the way. Because you had to go. To the embassy, right? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Same thing happened to me in Greece. I lost my passport in Greece, I think in 20, 2022. And then it was like 4th of July weekend, and I was in Santorini, and I had to take like a ferry boat yeah. to fucking like Athens, which is cool because I got to see all the, you know, temples and all that cool stuff that I'm into. Um, but then it was 4th of July. I had to like call the embassy office. It was like a whole thing. ATM stopped working. I was like, oh boy, I might be doing it's, some weird stuff under a bridge to get out of here.
0: <laughs> it's so inconvenient. It's really the worst. And it's so annoying when like an embassy decide, like in Greece, where you're, they're like, they're celebrating the 4th of July and you're like, yeah, you, should, yeah. you guys should be up. Yeah. You yeah. guys should close for like Greek holidays, but yeah. be open for American holidays. You guys should
1: be like running marathons and, you know, worshiping the gods and all that. Precisely. I'm a, a white American male. You should. Listen to what I tell you.
0: Yes, this I, is how it goes. Completely agree. Also, it's weird. Did you know? Well, actually, I don't know. I shouldn't be saying this, but the law, the U.S. laws apply in the U.S. embassy in every country, which again is bananas. That yeah. should be that should be the Greek laws. I don't know if that's true. Actually,
1: but. I think I think Hillary was saying instead of Benghazi, <laughs> everywhere else except Benghazi, the rules apply, but. <laughs> That's a conversation for another day. So cool. You were here in college. Uh, that's a wild story that you lost. Great place to lose it in Nashville. I'm assuming there was some uh, high noons involved.
0: Yeah. Some, some, some variety. I forget.
1: <laughs> high noon. If you're listening, sponsor this man. I mean, dude, it's his username on Instagram and he's blowing up. So yesterday's price is not today's price. That's all I'm saying. This is your one and final warning, right?
0: Amen. Yeah. All right. It was $1 yesterday. Yep. It'll be two tomorrow. Inflation. <laughs>
1: Inflation is getting out of control. So you were like, all right, screw it. I'm staying in Ohio. Did you go to Ohio state?
0: No, I didn't. I went to, I went to college in Connecticut and okay. then I was driving out on this road trip, stopped by in Columbus for a night, bumped into three friends of mine who I went to college with on the street. No way. Uh, and I was like, what are you guys doing here? And they're like, well, we moved for quarantine. And so we we went out for a drink. I left my number for the bartender because I was like, I'll never be in Columbus again in my life. And then she texted back. I was like, this city, this city rips. <laughs> this city is everything. And then it was so fun because like all the bar, because I had been, you know, in pretty much isolation not isolation, but, you know, decent quarantine for the past six months. And then it was great going to bars here and there'd be like 200 people hanging out and then the health inspector would come, everyone would scatter and then everyone would come back 10 minutes later and do the same thing 30 minutes later.
1: What was going through your brain? Like America's wild. Like, this is crazy.
0: No, I was like this. I had been lived, you know, when you, I'd kind of like lived there, lived here for four years or so. And I, my dad's American as well. So I spent time coming to America, but I was like this, I was like, this is great. This yeah. is, this is awesome. In Columbus, at least.
1: What do they think of your uh, career? My parents? At, yeah.
0: They're not, they're not too pleased, but I think they like it. They like it now that I'm making money. <laughs> they were, I, like I always told them it would take a few years to, mm-hmm. to make a bit of money or to make a living. And they were very much on the, you should go to law school train. You should go to grad school. You should get a real job. And I just kind of had to tell them, Hey, I, I want to, I want to do this. And I think I can do this if you, if I just, if you just give me the time. So that's, you know, Now they're a little bit more supportive, mainly because it's a fun thing. So when you're at a dinner party, that's all my dad cares about. He just wants to, he just wants a story for the dinner party.
1: Yeah, I don't think that parents or like family or friends or people that care about you like necessarily care how you become quote unquote successful. As long as that you are, (laughs) yeah, they're like
0: then they're all about it. As soon as you become successful, they're like, oh great, yes, we've always supported you, always the whole time. But they have been.
1: That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Cause I'm, I'm sure if they took the risk and, or you've taken the risk to leave London, go to school in Connecticut, it's obviously not inexpensive. It's not cheap. And then it's just indifferent, right? Cause let's face it. Most comedians fail. Most people in the entertainment space in general fail. Yeah. Uh, like any business, right? I mean, you're self-employed and you got to figure it out. in this new age, what, what was like that moment for you? Was it like a TikTok that went viral? Like our boy, Matt Reif? Was it uh, I mean you got some good looks. I don't know if you're as good looking as Matt, but
0: <laughs> nowhere near you
1: know, You can pick up some clavis chicks.
0: I opened for Matt. And so funny. Just seeing the his crowd is insane. His yeah. his crowd's ridiculous. But it's I wouldn't want it to be my crowd. It's too much pressure. You know? I like I like my crowd. Of, my crowd is my crowd of everyone of everyone in my crowd is very beautiful. But the but I like my crowd. We're more casual. We're more casual about our looks. We're not trying to be the hottest people in the world, and I respect that. Your personality, right? yeah, exactly. Personality, personality, and laughter—that's all that matters. Does Jerry pass? See, pass being in the crowd. He's a smoke show. He's too hot for my. He's yeah. too hot for my demo. I agree. That that usually he'd be, happens. He'd be kicked out. Yeah, wouldn't be allowed.
1: So, what, what was that moment then? Like, was there like a moment in your uh, the process the last couple of years where you're like? I mean, because again, you're on tour technically right now, right? I saw you post your shows that you have coming up. I'm like, dang, dude, that is a schedule. Like every other freaking night, you're in a different city Mm -hmm. and much, much, much respect. It's a different type of work than I think people realize. You know, I've done public speaking on stage. I've had mastermind events, obviously having a podcast show. Dude, it's a lot of mental space. Yeah. Then you got to find time to be creative. You got to find time for your mental health. You got to find time to get other life things done. Or maybe you don't, I don't know.
0: No, yes, <laughs> yeah. It's a real, it's a real stress. It's, yeah. uh, it takes a lot, but in in terms of a moment, in terms of when it clicked or,
1: yeah, was there kind of a moment? Was it a, uh, an event? Was it a, uh, a video that you posted online that was like, ah, I think I'm a little funny. I got something here. And you started kind of getting shows booked. And maybe you're still like, obviously in the process of that building up, right? But like, when it went from you telling jokes at the dinner table with your family to like, mm-hmm. holy cow, I got a show booked and I'm getting paid to do this.
0: Yeah. It's a really interesting thing thing because stand up, you can kind of trace every success that you had to a previous success and you can kind of go backwards. So like now this stage I'm in, it it really started when I was off to in, co- in college, I would do uh, shows in my basement and kind of bring a bunch of chairs from the classrooms nearby and put them in my basement, invite like a hundred people over, hundred people would be in my basement. They'd watch me perform an hour of really bad comedy. But that was the first, you know, if you think about steps, it's like goes from there. Then after college, I start driving around the country, all the clubs are shut because of covid So I'm now, I've got 50, I got 50 of my own chairs and a microphone and a um, speaker in my car. I'm driving to whichever city I know, like I have a buddy in who will invite 10 to 15 friends and performing for them. Then from there, I go to, um, I'm doing a show in Boston and I get connected with this, um, this producer of this comedy show called Don't Tell Comedy which, um, was based in a few cities around America at the time. And she was like, if you're doing this, you should just do this in Columbus where I was living at the time. And let me put you in touch with the national team who runs don't tell. And I was like, Oh, that would be so much easier. So then from there, I started running the don't tell shows where I got the opportunity to perform a lot. I got the opportunity to perform a lot more, uh, and get better. And then from there, I got the opportunity to have a set featured on the Don't Tell YouTube channel, which did really well. And the reason it did really well was because I had had the opportunity to perform at all these shows. And then from there, it's, and then from there, it's kind of like, oh, now you're getting all these opportunities and you're getting booked. But from the start, it doesn't happen if I don't put on apartment shows in college. Yeah. And it doesn't happen if I, none of this happens if I don't travel around the country. It's just a lot of weird initiative taking that you don't know if it's how it's going to work out, but you just kind of have to be confident that it will work out in some way. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Putting the reps in and then, yeah, just convincing five people, let alone trying to get like a hundred people to come to your place. Yeah. uh, (laughs) And listen to you put in the reps is, you know, much respect to your friends too. That's cool that you've
0: built those relationships. says a lot about
1: you. So
0: Yeah, it was pretty crazy, actually. Now that I think about it, I'm like a hundred people. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> that's, that's impressive. Who's your favorite uh, comedian? Oh, I like, um, ooh, there are so many. I like Chris Rock in the 90s is probably my favorite. Chris Rock now, not at all. But Chris Rock, the energy he brought on Bring the Pain and Bigger and Blacker is like what I strive to do in a, um, without saying one word, um, of his. <laughs> And Which word? Uh, you know, we can bleep it out. <laughs> you say it
1: when <laughs> you drive. <laughs> you know, when you're listening to this I've been clean.
0: I think I'm, I'm clean of the word. I've, okay. I, one time I was on a date with a girl. This is a bit of a crazy story. But I was on a date with a girl and we were going down to the Kentucky Derby. For It was a second date. And we hang out. And then on the drive back, she just drops that, that said <laughs> word. And I was like, excuse me? and she was like oh yeah i say that word all the time <laughs> i was like good god <laughs> i'll marry you <laughs> no i was <laughs> like i was like i can't i don't know I, this may be over <laughs> but, yeah but um yeah chris rock carlos miller from 85 south i think is so so funny um roy wood junior i really love mike babiglia is hysterical and then Those, those are probably like four and Darnell Rollins as well. I really, he's Chappelle's opener. He's so funny. Just like people with lots of people with lots of energy and I guess, Babiglia and Roy Wood Jr. aren't energetic, but they're more thoughtful. So either energy or thought thoughtfulness and hopefully the two mix together.
1: Yeah. That's what I respect about watching comedy again, doing public speaking myself, having the podcast show, just watching people go do a set for whether it's 20 minutes, 30 minutes, a Netflix special, being able to put that together is wild when you really think about it and you've done some type of public speaking or form of communication. Because I think communication is the most viable skill set that any human can have. And to be funny and know how to like read the room and how to likely present uh, and do stand up in front of a hundred people versus maybe a couple thousand, I'm sure that feeling's uh, different. And then the city as well, trying to be, maybe have like your own little flair in each city, mm-hmm. and how to relate to that city in in some way. Uh, what do you think of the Cat Williams stuff going down right now?
0: Oh, I'm ready to I'm ready to spell give my side of the story. I'm sure you are. <laughs> yeah. You, you message me, you're like, dude, I just gotta get this off
1: my chest. About I said, whatever. I'm
0: coming for Harvey. I'm com- I'm coming for f- I'm coming I'm coming for Smiley. I'm coming for every single black comic <laughs> over the age of fifty. The, uh, I thought it was great. I thought it was so, I, th- I didn't, I haven't finished it, but uh, the stuff I listened to made me crack up more than anything. I think Cat. will, I should have included Cat on that list. I think he, the Pimp Chronicles volume two is the funniest 35 minutes of comedy. It also shows a comedy special doesn't need to be an mm-hmm. hour. It just needs, it can be as long or as short as it needs to be, just as long as every single thing is hilarious. Mm-hmm. And my God, That man is, uh, yeah, he's, he's him and him and Chris Rock in the nineties. Good God.
1: Yeah. One, one presentation I gave in Puerto Rico, like a year or two ago, it was like, they, they only allowed me to speak for like 10 minutes. There was a couple of us that could only do our presentation for 10 minutes. And I've usually done public speaking on stage for like 30 minutes, 45 minutes, upwards of an hour. And that actually felt easier. 10 minutes. I'm like, oh boy, you got to get your point across, right? And I'm curious, how do you I'm sure there's a thousand ways to do it, but like how do you kind of like curate your message and your stand up? I mean, I'm sure it depends again on a lot of different things.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting because like part of it is you don't want to be clear. The difference, I think between well there's the similarity between public speaking and stand-up is you're trying to give a mess is along with the public speaking aspect of it. You're trying to convey a message, mm-hmm. but the difference is, you're trying. In stand-up, you're not really trying to let that on. You don't really want the audience is like, or most of the audience is typically like, "Hey, we came to laugh. We don't want to be le- We don't want to be lectured to or told to think a certain way or anything like that." So you just, and some some comics do that on like both sides of the aisle, and I don't mm-hmm. think it's really that effective for a general audience. But I think I always think about sneaking it in. So you want to start with little, tit, you know, you kind of want tidbits that if you didn't know there was a message being said, you'd be like, oh, these are all funny, unrelated stories. Mm-hmm. But then if you can just tie it together, that's why I really think Mike Bobiglia is so, is so good at what he does. He'll, he'll give you all these unrelated stories and then he'll tie it together with one or two callbacks. And you're like, oh, it all makes sense now why he said this. And now I get the message that he's he's conveying. And he snuck in that message so well. And a lot of comics do it a lot more indirectly. Maybe their message will just be, hey, we need to laugh at everything. And by doing that, they'll tell jokes about anything. Other thing, you know, maybe they're talking about family or something. So every story is about family. It's just the importance of family. But it's really interesting. It's just, I, so much of it is hinting. You're trying to, give you're trying to just give the audience a little bit at a time. And then at the end, come, come home, some kind of callback that yeah. brings it all together.
1: What are maybe some things that people don't know about you? Cause I'm sure you share a lot about yourself and your experiences sure. online, but you know, like what would be something that would be, I guess, surprising for people to know about you that you might not have shared. Oh,
0: um, ooh. I, I, What's a fun thing? Uh, I was in a coma, which (laughs) I was in a coma for, for a couple of, for a couple of weeks uh, when I was young. Um, Shit! I never really figured out how to tell it on stage. So that's the thing. If you can't find, figure out how to make something funny, you don't tell it. Yeah. So, but I was in a coma when I was 10. It was my sister's 21st birthday. She was having a dinner. She was having like a birthday party downstairs and I was upstairs in the bath and I, I had a, I had a brain fever. And I had a seizure in the bathtub and I was about to bite my tongue off and drown. And my brother walked in, saw me and like kind of went downstairs, got my parents. And my parents are kind of, you know, British. So that, you know, at at the same time they care about their kids, they, and, you know, they also don't want to disrupt like a a dinner party because that would be, that would be rude. Mm -hmm. So there was this like this big choice that my mom and my dad had to make. Between like, do we save our son or do we disrupt the dinner party? Because an ambulance coming through the front door, that would be a big, you know, it could spoil the dinner party. So my dad called the SWAT team. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> <Holy laughs> and there was a helicopter <laughs> ready to take me out. Take me you out. We're
1: not going to call the paramedics. We're going to have <laughs> fucking Navy SEAL Team 6 yeah, exactly. come
0: in. <laughs> Holy shit. I had all those guys coming to, coming to get me. And then my mom was like, that's insane. <laughs> let's just, let's take the, uh, let's. I think let's just cancel the dinner party. (laughs) Well, and then I was in coma for a couple of days.
1: From a brain fever?
0: Yeah. What, what
1: does that, what what does that mean?
0: I honestly don't, all I know, all the doctors told me is that it can happen again at any time. So when I sleep alone, I freak out (laughs) and I sleep alone quite a bit. Oh, not in Columbus though. There you go. Come on, come on. Yeah. Come on now.
1: (laughs) You're dialing that 614 area code. Where are they at?
0: There are, there are, there's, I'm see. I'm, I'm dating a girl and she's very nice. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs>
1: not, not when you're in Columbus though.
0: So. No, no, no. I'm a, I'm a loyal man. There we go. How could you not be?
1: There we go. The pressure of like having to turn it on. Is that annoying?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like that's the, uh, it's just, maybe we were talking about it before the pod, but just, you know, it's, I could, if I wanted to, I could turn it on. All the time, it's just it's just exhausting because mm-hmm. it is it is an act, and I think anyway, you know that you do meet those those certain people who are on all the time and are genuinely on and are genuinely yeah. charming, and it's like I just like I'm in awe of you and I applaud you, but I, I can't do it. I'll do it, I can do it, but I just like I just want to veg out. There are so yeah. many times, especially when you're on stage for an hour and you have to be on, yeah, and then you're on stage for another hour, like thirty minutes after that show has ended. Oh because when you're doing two shows in a night, it's then you're like, oh, I really like I brought, I'm bringing the energy then. Mm-hmm. So I really don't want to bring it at other times, which is, I feel bad about it. Cause I'm like, now uh, I feel like a less, less exciting person off stage, but I think it's necessary just for energy. So.
1: Yeah. Or just how it works for you. I could see how people are just, I mean, there's just some people that are so funny and I can just tell, like we were talking about like Theo Vaughn. I feel like he's just a guy that, just always has it on, 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 on. Yeah. And I'm sure you do as well. I'm sure you're hilarious all the time, but I would imagine that for some people it's like, no, nah, this is when I'm dialed in for like 60 minutes and I'm going to, you know, capitalize on that. Do you, how do you get yourself ready on stage? Do you do like anything weird, like breath work? Do you drink
0: caffeine? I know you're drinking high noons. Uh, <laughs> I used to, when I was starting out, I used to drink a lot of Red Bull. Mm. And I would get fired up. But then I quickly learned that was too much Red Bull to drink. Mm. Um, and I would just be so jittery on stage and nervous. And now I really, you know, I sometimes go up sober, sometimes one or two drinks, anything like, you don't want to go up, you don't want to go up drunk. You don't want to go up high because I think it just disrupts the flow of the show, at least for me. Yeah. I know a lot of comics who do do it and they do fine. Yeah, But I just think if to be on you kind of need to be, to be on, you need to be on. And, yeah. and like, I can do that sober. I can do that with like a couple of drinks in me, but I just can't do it. And I've been on stage blackout before, <laughs> just like at some random shows here and there. And it's not a good time. Yeah. It's just, you think it's amazing. Everyone's like, what? This what? is, this isn't what we paid for. And I'm like, well, it was free. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you like, I actually paid to be up here. It was a free open mic like, at fours on high. So
1: Oh, fours, threes, fours, twos. Mm-hmm. Keep going. 69. They're all there. They're all there. As far as the business side, you you came into like a unique time, I feel like, of comedy, right? Because we saw people blow up online. Obviously, it's years of hard work and behind the scenes that no one will technically see and or maybe comprehend. But the pandemic, not being able to do the traditional way of going to like local clubs. There's this unique piece of like social media, right? How's it been navigating the business side? Is it, I'm sure still obviously a process, but are there some key things that you've learned along the way? Are there some key things that you've leveraged? Like again, social media, putting clips out, doing podcast shows,
0: like- Yeah, it's number one, it's for sure a process. Um, And if, and there are certain things that are kind of unknown, like it's the same with any creator you know, like the algorithms one day loves you and the next hates you. And you're like, what does it take to- It's never loved me, but I- (laughs) I, 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 (laughs) Well, you seem to be doing pretty well. The It's, so it's all like a bit of a guess. It's, so that's like the thing is like the algorithm is a guessing game. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I mean, it's driven off what it gets clicks and things. So sometimes I will intentionally write a joke with the aim of it being controversial, knowing that it will get comments. And it's a shame because like, that's not necessarily my, those aren't my favorite jokes, but I, they are to drive engagement and that's just, and then you post like a good joke, but it's about something uninteresting. It's not, gonna get, it's not gonna curry any favor with the audience. So, but in terms of stuff, yeah, it's a completely new business model with the pandemic and with social media. Um, in the past, you had to be in New York or LA and in order to get seen by agents, mm-hmm. and in order to get on uh, late night TV, in order to get put on shows, now it's great. I mean, it's never. I can't imagine what it, how hot much. Oh, uh, we lost him. <laughs> we lost him.
1: The vid is kicking in. The COVID
0: gone. Yeah. went. Get went the man around. a booster. Went <laughs> so weak for a second. You need it's a water. You got a water, right? You're good. Yeah, cool. So
1: you want something warm?
0: No, this is great. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm.
1: It don't seem like it's great, but.
0: It's perfect. Don't be going Cut in the it. fucking coma it, now, Jerry. bro. If you...
1: <laughs> Please. Don't be biting tongue. I don't want to be calling in my favors with the SWAT team. If <laughs>
0: we have to. I will. I'm Look, it's, it's, we're high enough. They, they could swoop in through yeah. the balcony. We're good. Back to it. But the social media... Yeah, the whole business model has changed. Because in the past, you had to be in New York or LA to mm. get seen by agents and managers and to get on TV shows. But now because of social media, it really is the best time to be doing it because yeah. as long as you have a camera and you have access to uh, premiere pro and you can caption your clips or pay someone to do it, then you can put out clips from wherever all the agents and managers still see you on their phone. And also you're building an audience directly instead of going through gatekeepers of TV or late night. Uh, and I think that's a big reason why comedy is booming so much is that people are able to discover their favorite comedians and then just stick around for the ride. So I think it's great. I think there's never been a better time to at least be able to build a fan base.
1: Yeah. Similar to like artists. I think that we're just in the most creative and information age type era in terms of like you have um, what's his name? Tony, like Tony Robbins. No, not Tony Robbins, uh, the comedian. Um, I think he's actually from Ohio as well. He's from like Joe Rogan. He has that show where he brings comedies on. Oh, Tony Hinchcliffe. Yeah. 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 Like that's very creative. That's it's almost like a podcast stand up slash people able to do one clip, like just boom, go viral. One of my favorite ones
0: still is the guy that says like, I'm not retarded, but I like rocks. Yeah. That's my buddy cam, you know, cam Cam, I, I, I claim, I claim uh, part of the success. I was the first booker. Cam's first ever shows that he did outside of Orlando, where he's from. We're in Columbus for the Don't Tell Columbus shows, which I booked and ran. I remember seeing Cam. Now he's a superstar, but I remember seeing him at some Mike, some show, really good show in Orlando called, um, milk district comedy. And I remember seeing him close the shows like this 21, 21 year old, maybe he was 22 at the time, uh, kid and just murdering, just destroy. I was like, this guy's so funny. And then he came to Columbus, crushed in Columbus, came back to Columbus three times. I, and then I was hanging out with cam the night before but then I was, yeah, and then Cam got his name pulled for Kill Tony the same like hour that he also got a Don't Tell set for YouTube, um, which is another credit. And then he ended up, and so it just ended up being like the perfect day for him. And I remember being there. I was like, yeah, you're, good. you're about to be a superstar as soon as you get on the show.
1: I'll show you the bag of rocks that we have in the other room. My girl and I went to Colorado and we had watched that clip. And it was like the funniest thing ever. And then we went hiking and the whole time she was just like,
0: we got to get all these rocks.
1: (laughs) So now every day I walk in our laundry room and we have like a, you know, a sink in there with being able to get water and shit. Yeah. Like, all right, well, there's the bag of rocks. (laughs) Get to see that every day. He changed the game. He's the king of rocks. Share a little bit more about the don't tell Columbus. I think that business model is uh, very cool and unique in terms of, how they built it. It seems like you've been a huge piece of that here in Columbus. Are you still a part of that as well?
0: Yeah, I'm still in charge of I'm booking it. I book the comedians mm-hmm. and then also just help oversee the product just since it's my baby, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we got started, like I said.
1: And to I, interrupt you really quick, Yeah, I'm making a full-blown assumption here. I feel like you got a very good business brand. I don't know why. Maybe you're just a really good at bullshitting this, but I feel like that. That's what I'm kind of grasping. Um,
0: I think I'm pretty good at seeing when there's a when there's a hole that needs um, filling in the market. It's anything from stand-up. You know, I like to think of it from stand-up as well. I'm like, okay, let's look at all the British comedians, all the foreign comedians in America. And all of them come here and then shit on America. So I'm like, there's a pretty big- whoa. Whoa, pretty whoa, come on now. Yeah, absolutely outrageous. But I was like, there's also a pretty big gap in the market for a foreign comic who actually likes America, which I do. And the, but then I'm also like, this would appeal to more people than a foreigner coming in and just shitting on, shitting on half the, shitting on all the country. Yeah. So like, yeah, I, I like to think I've got a pretty good eye. And then with Columbus, the big reason why I moved here along with the bartender and my friends was the fact I'd put on comedy shows in my buddy's apartment. And everyone who came said, I wish we had a downtown comedy club. This was back in 2020. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, yeah, this is a huge city. It's the 14th biggest city in America. It's got no downtown comedy club. It's got a really young population. It's a college town plus a graduate town. Everyone's looking for stuff to do. Everyone says there's nothing to do. So it seems to me pretty straightforward that a comedy club would crush in the downtown area and so for a year i was kind of working on trying to just build my own comedy club turns out super expensive not and not worth the uh not worth the hassle to go through all that
1: and that's like, like city permits that's dealing with yeah all liquor the...
0: licenses zoning yeah. all the all the most boring things in the world yeah like i looked at every single spot in the short north and Good like goodie boy for example um i was looking at it and i was like hey this could actually be a really great spot but is there any way we could build? There's that huge patio, which makes no sense considering for seven months of the year in Columbus, no one wants to be outside at all. Can we build out and make the comedy club a bit longer? And they were like, no, it's it's a historical site. So that can't be changed at all. And I'm like, well, that's ridiculous.
1: Looks like a concrete slab to me.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm like, what? And also it's like, no, it's not a historical building. It's You know, I know like, oh, I'm, I know you went there when you were five, but you know, it's not historical because of that historical is like a a real historical site, like some statue in Greece. It's not goody boy. So anyway, so there were a bunch of obstacles. And then I got connected with don't tell. And I was like, Hey, this is a unique opportunity where it's like, Hey, we're doing pop-up shows. So we're not even, we're not paying any rent or for any space besides a venue fee. Um, if they ask, if the venue who's hosting asks for one, then we don't need a liquor license because it's all BYOB. We can still put on these great comedian. We can still put these great comedians on shows. We can build the comedy scene in Columbus, um, for both comedians and for audiences alike. And it kind of went from there. And in started in twenty twenty two, and did like a few show, a few shows. The first one sold out, but it was small, like forty people. Second show, I was like, let's make it 120 people. Sold out. Third show. Uh, we were like, let's make it even bigger. And it sold out. And it just kept on selling out and selling out until 2023 came around. And I was working with a small team at the time. And I was just like, hey, let's, let's turn this into a full weekend. So four to five shows every single weekend. We bring in a national headliner. We bring in top comics from around the country and the Midwest, especially to, um, be the fillers. And then we'll have like one or two local comics on the show as well. And it will be great. And it ended up being great. And we sold out kind of like f- so many, sh- like from January until May nonstop. And then obviously the summer eats in- eats into um, people wanting to be inside. But yeah, it kind of just kept on going and going and going. And it got this really great reputation among comedians. So now every comedian who's not mega famous, um, but is mega funny, wants to come to Columbus and do don't tell, which is great. And it's exactly what I kind of set out on this project for it to be, which was to make Columbus a destination to give the people of Columbus something to do with when they say, how can you like living in Columbus? There's nothing to do. And yeah, when it just went really well in general and it's still going even though I'm no longer there all of the time mm-hmm. just because I'm on tour. But otherwise it's great.
1: Yeah. You got to be careful. There's stuff to do here. There's Ohio state football games.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what our big concern was. Oh no, we, there would be a nighttime game and mm-hmm. we'd be like, Oh Columbus, we, they, we won't sell a single ticket. But what you forget is there are like 70 to hundred people out there yeah. who really hate college football. Who really hate it despite living in Columbus and will go out of their way to do anything else besides watch college football. So our market's still pretty safe, even when there is a game on.
1: Yeah, the the business model is, in my personal opinion, genius. It's don't tell Columbus. So you're not telling who the comedians are. You're not telling who the headliner is. It's a pop-up. So you're not, you know, basically marrying one location. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, wait, we really like this venue. Let's check out this venue. Eh, we don't really like that one. Let's go back to this one. So I remember finding out about it. I love comedy. And like I was telling you, when I am ready to embarrass myself on stage, I'll be ready to, to, to make that happen. Uh, But it was sold out. Yeah. And I felt like that's how it crushed as well as it kept selling out and it was Mm -hmm. pissing me off. And I'm like, they're probably not even that good. You know, (laughs) there's no way this is that good. But I love the, I love the business model. Uh, It's been really cool to see you guys grow that. Did you make it to a show? In I still end? I wasn't able to make it to a show.
0: Got to come. It's sold out for this weekend. But too famous these days, go. man. I'm like, come, what the heck do I got to do? Come, come for some up. I'll I'll let you know when a really good show is on. My man, I'll grab you some tickets. I'll grab you two, grab you some tickets if you want.
1: <laughs> there we go. I don't know. Jerry's a little too good looking for your crowd. It's, sure. food, so, it's true. So you know, we'll uh, he'll go to Matt Rife's show. He's too <laughs> yeah. he's too cute for us these days. So what have you enjoyed outside of? traveling outside of, you know, building your career and comedy? What are some things that you've enjoyed along the way? You said you're in a relationship, right?
0: Yeah, that's um, very nice. She's a very lovely girl. Um, I've, I've enjoyed kind of so much of it has just been like a, well, I've kind of been living in Columbus for the past, or at least stationed in Columbus. And then- It's kind of your home base? Yeah. Okay. And being based here- it's really just been a chapter of like kind of doing something completely different, going away from home. I've been living with a few, these same buddies from college. We've all lived together in the same building for the past four years or so now. And it's been really, it's just been such a really nice time, completely different from all my friends from college. They all end up going to New York and Boston and LA for these corporate jobs. And it's just been really nice to do something different. I think all my friends really wish that they wish that they could do that as well. Maybe not in Columbus is maybe they kind of wish they did it in New York, but I also found developed like a deep love of Columbus, the Midwest kind of fly over, country, just everything that's dismissed when you're growing up, you kind of think of the two Americas, you know, the when you grow up, you're like the one that matters and the one that doesn't. And it's like, well, this is actually the one that matters a lot. It's got a lot more meaning. Uh, Everyone's so much nicer. Everyone's so much more friendly. Um, And everyone's so much more fun as well. Mm. It's just a good time. I've just kind of been like living a bit of a party for four years in Columbus. It was also great to get a bit of celebrity as well in Columbus. I'm not famous anywhere else, but in Columbus, I will sometimes get stopped on the street. And it is the best feeling in the world. I don't get why celebrities complain Really? Ever. It's like the funnest thing <laughs> to, to be like, hey, and they're like, hey, I love your stuff. I'm like, thanks. It's awesome. Do you ever get any hate? Because I know
1: the the one clip that I found, like how I found you was that one that went around of you just like talking smack about Columbus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously people forget very quickly. This is stand up comedy. This is supposed to be a joke, but it was hysterical. It was like, <laughs> it was uh, something along the lines of like German village. And go to Bexley, where the Jews are across town. Yeah,
0: yeah, Do you know, Ohio State
1: a- football, like it was crazy shit. I'm like, oh, he knows exactly where to jab. This man <laughs> yeah. knows where to jab people.
0: I think everyone took it in good in in good spirits. Yeah, it kind of and it just really popped off to a weird level where once that clip went viral, it's gone viral twice now. Mm-hmm. Um, and each time, it's been this fun wave of people being like, "You're the comedian." It's never your Simon. There's yeah. never, it's always, you're the comedian. Just like somehow I've acquired that moniker in the city and it's, it's great. I've got no, I got no problems with it at all. Unless someone like starts like chewing your ear off, you know, and you're at the bar, just trying to watch the game and then yeah. everyone's like talking to you for.
1: You're like, this is a historical site, bro. Chill yeah, out.
0: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, don't even talk to me when I'm at town hall.
1: <laughs> Have you noticed that? How how old are you again? 25. 25. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm 29, so I got a lot of wisdom on you, man. Oh, yeah, let absolutely. I'm let, let me tell you. Let me tell you. <laughs> get the notepad and pen out. But have you started to recognize that being a couple of years removed from college, traveling around the world a little bit? Like, whoa, some people go get a job and they die. You know, like, they're not even, they're yeah. just surviving. They're not living. And it's, you're like, man, what the fuck? I get to talk on the All for Nothing podcast show? This is crazy, <laughs> Yeah, This course. is so cool. Of course. This is a career highlight. It seems like you've had those moments of gratitude.
0: Oh yeah, every day. I mean like every day I'm like this is so this is so great. Especially now like this year is the big difference cuz now I'm making like a decent living whereas before I was like getting by I was getting by, but it was it wasn't like a pretty lifestyle. Now I'm like, oh, I'm actually like making a good amount of money, doing exactly what I want to be doing. This is so and I have so much free time in the day. This is so great. The only downside for a long time was I was like I have so much free time in the day, and I was just very eager to i ha- I just hated being like on my couch or in bed, yeah, and I was like look i can I can go for a workout, I can write, I can go, you know do something with my day, and then I'm like, well, now it's two p m yeah, and I'm like, well, what am I gonna do for the rest of the day
1: kind of like procrastination,
0: yeah, so that's always been my big issue with stand up It's just that it leaves so much time. For, and you can fill it with like certain things, but in terms of making a meaningful life that's always been my big problem with comedy is I'm like this is nice and it's I do want to be doing this, but I just have more time in the day and I wish I could do something else
1: yeah, because that's the stories at least that I've heard on podcasts from comedians that are decades into their careers like them sharing their stories right of like they had to have some side hustle or multiple jobs and then they just 10 plus years of grinding it out at their hometown. They didn't have the ability to put stuff out on social media. There weren't unique ways to make and monetize it. I'm curious, obviously you don't got to share numbers, but what are unique ways that you've been able to bring in income streams that would maybe be helpful for others to hear whether they're comedians or not, or maybe they are just comedians. I know there's obviously brand deals. There's getting paid to go. Do, do actually the stand up and sell tickets and all that. But are there other unique things that you've been able to capitalize
0: on? It's really tricky because it's like, it's very unique. There are certain things like colleges and corporate gigs pay better than some random shows. So those can make up your monthly, those can make up your monthly income and more by very easily. But it's also really hard to get those gigs and you kind of just have to lock into them. For me, it was very unique just because I was like, I was running don't tell i was running this comedy club as well as doing comedy and the two of those combined yeah was able to pay the bills and so i would say if you're interested run a comedy club um and while also doing comedy and that should be able to help you break even but i i don't really have any like top tips you know sponsorship deals are good but until you get to a certain number you're probably not going to be making good money off of it. Mm -hmm. And by the time you are at a certain number, you're probably making enough money off ticket sales that you don't need that or that the brand deal won't be too helpful. I mean, obviously it will be helpful, but you'll still be making a living without it. Unfortunately. Yeah. I'm kind of, it's this weird, unique, then gambling. I always like to gamble. Yeah. <laughs> I think gambling's great. And that's <laughs> proven. Guaranteed, Guaranteed proven. returns. Look, here's the thing. You you miss <laughs> you miss fifty parlays, you make one. As long as it's above the odds of fifty to one, you're in the clear.
1: You like you like to gamble?
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a. What t- do you like?
1: What do you like to gamble?
0: I'm a big football guy. Um, so,
1: do you like football or do you not? I'm oh kidding. yeah,
0: I love football. Okay, American football, to be clear. Yeah, like the better football. Yeah, the not real, the real, football. Football. the one, there. the one with, the one with hands. It's yeah.
1: serious. Not that grass fairy shit. Get that out that's, of here. That's that's Ronaldo
0: who. <laughs>
1: that's fucking
0: gag. That's
1: definitely getting us cancer.
0: <laughs> that should be fine. Do you have any gay jokes? I do. My closer is a is a pretty good gay job. Oh, yeah. I think it's pretty funny. It's- um, Can you say it? No, it's a long story. And if I gave it away, then the show wouldn't be funny. Okay. But it's all about my time with a man named Fernanda.
1: And mm. it's
0: pretty funny. That's your girlfriend now, right? That's my girlfriend now. He, he transitioned.
1: What about uh, that community? Have you gotten backlash?
0: Uh, from the gay community? Yeah. Uh, no, not really. I've kind of like always- try to i've never really posted anything like too offensive towards them nor do i nor do i like try to write anything like that offensive i think if i'm like gonna write anything i'd like try and make it interesting so even if it's about a community i will still be like i think it's interesting i've definitely there are definitely a few jokes i've done which are which i thought were interesting they thought were offensive but i just told them at open mics and then everyone was like, that's not cool. We don't like that joke. And I was like, well, I still believe in that joke, but I'm not going to say, I'm not going to post that joke online. Yeah, but that actually wasn't a joke. I was being serious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, you're British, so you're nice. That's the other thing. When you are British, you kind of do get away with people who will let you just say more yeah. random stuff.
1: Yeah. It, it's a little different when you're from Mechanicsburg, Ohio, you know? <laughs>
0: well, you that's mean the that? other thing. It's like, you know, it's not that it's expected out of you. Yeah. But they're like, Yeah, come on. That's him. Yeah.
1: We were all thinking it, sorry. His ex girlfriend just happened to say it. Exactly. <laughs> so what do you gamble on? You gamble on American football?
0: Yeah, I'm big Amer- I'm doing pretty well. I'm pre- I'm terrible in the regular season, unreal in the playoffs. I'm a diehard Packers fan. Oh, really? I I went, I went big on the Packers spread. Let's go, baby. Yeah, it was Let's obvious. Go. How could they not? It's the Packers against the Cowboys. The cow, there's DNA Packers beat the Cowboys. Easy. And Jordan Love is simply electric. So easy. Yeah. So I think in the playoffs, everything, all your thoughts come true. Like everything makes sense. The it's the big stars typically don't perform. You look at the wide receiver two options. Those are the ones who are really going to deliver because the, the team is going to focus so much of their attention on the CD lamb on, you know, that you kind of, that's where you got to focus on Michael Gallup.
1: Yeah. You know? Come on now
0: smashed is over. So yeah, I, I'm a big football bet. I also love football. It's the best sport to bet on just because it's so precise. Like every play yeah. affects a bet in soccer. You're like, you can't bet on, you know, someone passes it to someone. It's like, you can't track it. It doesn't mean anything. So I think football's the perfect sport to bet on. Makes it so exciting. Love it.
1: Who do you got this week? You got Green Bay, San Francisco,
0: Texans versus Ravens, and oh, yeah. then it's Chiefs Bills and Bucks Lions. I'm taking the Lions. Lions. Okay. But I think I'm taking Lions money line Bucks spread. I'm taking the, and I kind of want to,
1: this is financial advice, right? Yeah.
0: This is absolutely this is how to make money. The, uh, just, I, just kidding, by <laughs> the way. Will this be released before or after? Cause I want to,
1: uh, probably like, uh, probably right after.
0: Okay, great. Yeah. Well, then, Cause if we're wrong, we'll just
1: yeah let's, it see, yeah let's Yeah. We'll
0: just,
1: <laughs> like, man, dude, buy his course, <laughs> buy
0: his betting course. I want to take the. I actually want to kind of take the bucks, but I think the lions will pull it off. Um, I think the Packers will beat the spread, but I don't think they beat the Niners. I think the Texans will beat the Ravens, and I think the uh Bills beat the Chiefs. And that's mm. that's my prediction. Texans beat the Ravens, Ravens are bad. The Ravens are a bad team. They've been, every what? team gets pro it's this narrative that the Ravens are unstoppable. They lost to Cle they blew it to Cleveland with that, you know, back in game week twelve or whatever. They completely shit the bed. They've also lost they lost to the Steelers. They've I know they've like now figured it all out, but also no they haven't. Every team will fade. And the Ravens are not, Ravens are not it. Lamar in the playoffs, not him.
1: Ooh. Oh boy. Yeah. Turning the heat up. Who do you got one in the Super Bowl?
0: Um probably the 49ers. Yeah. But then Brock Purdy is washed. So it's hard to say.
1: Yeah, first off, Green Bay always gets beat by them in the playoffs. It's frustrating. Yeah. It's it's tough being a diehard Packers fan because we're just good enough every year and then we're just let down yeah. enough every year. Yeah, I think if I had to pick, have you seen the conspiracy behind the the colors of how they choose like the Super Bowl logo?
0: Oh, yeah, I have seen that. It's like the Ravens and the 49ers yeah. is what it says. Yep. So, I believe that. I mean, that would be a good game.
1: What's your favorite conspiracy?
0: Oh, Oh, Ooh. what are, what are some, what I swear I know so many, but I don't believe any of the mainstream ones. I think like the moon landing was real. I think, I think JFK was clearly shot by more than one person, but I don't know if it was the FBI or the CIA, but it was clearly, you know, as you know, the bullet, there's no way the two bullets that could have come from the same direction. Was it the driver? I, I don't think it was the driver. I actually have no more knowledge other than that. Mm. But that's a conspiracy that I believe in. And then I think, what are some other, what are are some of you believe in?
1: Don't blink out now. Come on. (laughs) I'm
0: trying to think of, what are some
1: issues (laughs) that are out there? you think Hawaii caught on fire with the laser beams?
0: Oh, no, I don't think that. You think that was natural? I think that was natural. I think almost, almost all wildfires are natural. Do you think that I think Jews run the media? I mean, I don't think. I don't think that I, it's weird that that's a conspiracy theory and that's just the truth. Every like, I don't get. There's weird anti-Semitic. There's weird anti-Semitic conspiracy theories where I'm like, this is just true. Who would you bet on, Palestine or Israel? I mean, I bet on it. I bet on. How do you get the spread? Maybe I mean, go by the spread. I don't think I. W- I th- one time I did this on Instagram. I put up a poll. Just seen Palestine or Israel, and I got in a lot Boy. of trouble for it. And um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I would want Palestine to come through. Oh, but I don't think. Are you pretty well versed with the political side? I'm pretty up to date. Yeah. So what, what exactly is going on over there? So Palestine, or it's all
1: AI yeah, technology. It's all fake, actually.
0: Yes, precisely. Hamas attacked. Israel on October 7th, killing around 1,200 of its citizens in an attack designed to provoke a response from Israel that they knew would turn the tide against Israel. That they knew that Hamas knew Israel would react so disproportionately that it would cause international furor at Israel and push the world more in Palestine's favor in this weird chess Tactic of Hamas's, and that's exactly what happened. Israel were like absolutely not. They started bombing in. Indis- they didn't bomb indiscriminately, but they've bombed. They've been trying to assassinate Hamas targets, and Hamas uses human shields, so it's very hard to kill these targets without killing innocent civilians. There's an argument to be made that the Hamas is responsible for those deaths. There's also an argument to be made that Israel could probably be a bit more um could probably slash definitely be a bit be a bit more thoughtful in its use of indiscriminate bombing. But yeah, that's kind of it. Just Israel's kinda of like now stormed into Gaza, taken the northern half of Gaza, pushed everyone into southern Gaza. Uh, and it's not great. It's you know, there's a big question of whether it's genocide or not. And I don't really know if that's relevant. I would just more so say it's indiscriminate. It's reached a level of indiscriminate killing um, that isn't that isn't good. And Israel's been allowed to do it because the U.S. has kind of given it free reign to do whatever it wants in Palestine, in Gaza, and in the West Bank. And hopefully, it seems like there's a bit more pressure being applied by um certain members of Congress to, for the U S to maybe give aid and weapons with some restrictions, with some moral restrictions. But who knows? It's kind of, it's, it's all fucked. It's all because Israel's a strategic base in the Middle East for the U S the U S doesn't really care about Jews. It just cares about having a base, uh, and having a sphere of influence in the Middle East. That's my cynical conspiracy theory slash true take. What if America is Israel's base? That's oh, that is. Some people have alleged that. <laughs> some people have alleged that Jews have a double loyalty to Israel and the United to the United States and Israel, and claim that Jews living in America are not loyal to America and are loyal to Israel. And that is true. However, I would say that's probably not true because if. Israel stopped funding the U S and the U S stopped funding Israel, the U S would be pretty fine. And Israel would go under pretty immediately.
1: You kind of look like a Jew. Are you a Jew? Cause it sounds I, like you're not,
0: I am a Jew. I you am. Are... Jew. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm yeah. a, I'm, I'm half Jewish. My dad's Jewish. My mom's Catholic. Okay. So, and you want, I want, yeah, I want Palestine. I want, you know, cause it's, you know, that's just a, You know, I have no loyalties. I have just loyalties to avoiding unfair, uh, unfair conflicts. And I mean, I just think it's weird. Like if you're a Jew, you have to support Israel and I get it. It's been, you know, you get indoctrinated into believing that Jews have to, you know, Jews will never be safe and Jews have been persecuted throughout history, which is all, which is all completely true. But it's also like, you can believe that, but you can also believe that Palestinians have had their land taken from them and are treated horribly at the hands of the Israeli government and sent to prison for no good reason.
1: Yeah, it's a unique one because one, uh, I'm neither and I'm definitely, I'm I'm from Mechanicsburg, Ohio, bro. I'm just trying to have a podcast. (laughs) That's all I'm trying to do. Come on now. I'm just trying to watch. You
0: know, not everyone needs to have an opinion on the matter as well. You know what?
1: Actually, that's what I've learned. I've learned that, And doing the show like not having an opinion on most things is probably better for me but both sides make so much sense Mm -hmm. you know israel's like well they came in and i'm like yeah they did but then why and i don't know yeah then you learn the background behind all of it then like the 4d chest move of like well we're gonna come in and then they're gonna come in and it's like well was that your move i don't know Mm -hmm. i live in columbus ohio (laughs) what do i know uh it's a unique one, right? And then it comes back to like World War II and Hitler and the Jews and how they've been. Uh, but then it's like, yeah, there was also like 20 plus million Russians killed. People forget that real quick. There were 60 million people from my understanding in World War II alone that died. Like, so not to take away from any nationality, religion, et cetera. Um, I think we all just want peace. I think that's pretty safe to say.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's just sudden people want peace and the other side the problem the palestinians and the israelis both kind of want the other side to not exist and that's not very good for peace
1: is that because there's like family involved is that because like someone's uncle died is it because someone's grandparents had to deal with this is it because there's consequences you know that's people's argument for example at least maybe not all of it right so again everyone take this with a grain of salt but like there was a lot of sanctions on Germany and that's how Hitler got people riled up is like, Hey, Mm -hmm. we're not going to pay this price for world war one. We're going to retaliate. Is that maybe not identical, but like a similar, it's not identical,
0: but it is definitely, it all comes back to history. It's not just out of the blue, you know, it's Palestinians are still aggrieved over the Nakba, which was in 1948, which is considered, which translates to catastrophe, which is considered, when uh hundreds of thousands of palestinians were forced to leave their home uh to leave their homes uh, to allow israel to settle into 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 their homes and a lot of those palestinians still haven't returned home or those families haven't returned home and that's that's kind of the root of the that's kind of the root of the crisis palestinians essentially say we want the land we had in 1948 israelis say that, Hey, you tried to, you fought us for the war, you attacked us. And then we won the wars multiple times. We won the war of independence. We won the six day war in 1967. Um, and then we even gave back land. So it's, it's a lot of, he said, it's a lot of, he said, she said, and but it's one of those things where like, they're just never going to disagree. They're never going to agree. It's just a completely fucked conflict. That unless some form of Nelson Mandela type person comes along, it's, it's kind of done or it's not done. It's just, it will just never be, it will never be peace.
1: I know that's what, cause I'll see a friend post that has like family in Palestine or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, it totally makes sense. Then I'll see like a Jewish friend post something. I'm like, Oh, that totally makes sense. <laughs> and then I'll talk about it with guests on the show. And I'm like, I don't know. That's a, that's an interesting one. I think this stuff's worth conversation, though. Oh, I absolutely! Think yeah. I think it's both sides have
0: so much merit. Just a big problem is when you have a conversation. Whenever you take one side, you're inevitably going to be shouted down by the other side on claims of either genocide or anti-Semitism, and I mean, I think those are those are two not equal criticisms. I think genocide is worse than anti-Semitism on the on a basic level. But it's just very toxic. There's I don't if if every top negotiator in the Middle East has an answer. I don't have. A, I'm not gonna come out there and say there's an answer. I can just try and help people understand it a bit more because I think a lot of people get a lot of incorrect news or well, not incorrect news, just biased news. Biased. and it's pretty helpful to see both sides. And when I th- and when you see both sides, I think it's pretty it's pretty clear that israel's kind of a worse actor than palestine just given the balance of power but you know both sides have both sides have their flaws yeah you got to bring in some indian negotiators <laughs> those
1: guys are pretty good at negotiating
0: they'd get it done
1: my friend said behind every successful jew is indian negotiator i like that i was like That's <laughs> i didn't know good. that I'm like, that's it. That will get me canceled. Yeah. I'm trying to think of all these one-liners I can get canceled. That might be one of them. Yeah. Do you get hate from like your family or anyone that's Jewish when you have this stance on it?
0: No, you know, it's just, we're all, we're all, you know, everyone's, everyone's got opinions. We're not loyal Zionists. We're not loyal Zionists. You know, you. I also, it's not like a hugely vocal opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I am not screaming about it. Cause like I said, not everyone needs to have their, stance heard i also don't know what my stance is because again if no one else can figure it out i'm not going to claim to be the one to figure it out but no i mean you get hate but you know i also like to stay out of i have lots of political opinions but i try to you know like what i don't need a voice i don't need to voice them you
1: none sure? of them
0: at that intro they're all just like hey can you can everyone just have a bit of common sense here
1: well that's maybe your family doesn't own like CNN news or anything like that, right? I wish. Yeah, don't tell Columbus is a good start.
0: Yeah, we're we're working our way up the chain.
1: I knew it. We're going to have to cut this one early. (laughs) The Jews are listening in. What What is that like being Jewish?
0: Uh, it's completely irrelevant to my life. You know, it's like it's an ethnic it's an ethnicity, Mm -hmm. much like you. It's you know, I don't practice the religion. I grew up Catholic. I don't consider Catholicism that important to my life. I don't consider Judaism that important mm. to my life. The only thing is like slight cultural slight cultural things about like watching movies and, you know, watching certain movies made by Woody Allen, for example, but that's more just watching the movies my dad watched. Mm. I don't think it's nothing. It's, I would never claim to be anything more. I would never claim to be a Jew, but Nazis on the other hand, I think would probably be like, you're a Jew. And I'd be like, no, 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 I'm not a Jew. I don't no, no, no I'm with you guys. And I'm like, well actually not with you guys, but like, I'm like yeah. in the middle. <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 come on, hop on the train, buddy, you're a Jew. So it's one of those weird things where I'm like, I don't see myself as one, but if others see me as yeah. one, then I guess I am one.
1: Yeah, and I think that there's, and the reason why I asked that is, I think with any ethnicity, religion, there's so much beauty to like culture. Right. And saying like, oh no, we just stand for this. And I learned certain values and beliefs and morals around it, you know, like during Ramadan, like the beauty behind, you know, sacrificing, eating and fasting, right? Like there's a lot to say from a scientific standpoint, but from a discipline standpoint as well. Mm -hmm. Like, yo, I get why you guys are blowing shit up. Y'all are hungry. (laughs) Come (laughs) over. I got some chicken wings and a banana. (laughs) It's the go-to for Simon. It's delicious.
0: Islam's a beautiful religion. I, if I, I'm, if I, like, had more time or had more motivation, I would, con- I would convert to Islam. Really? Yeah, it's a great religion. How do you, how do you do that? You just like, you just, I think you just pray and then you say it three times and then you've converted. Like Allah Akbar. It's not In precisely a train or something. It's not precisely that, but it may be something close to that. Yeah, go to like American football game and just yell it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But that's a very, that just means God is great. That's all it means. It's yeah. just like a, it's just a prayer. So obviously it's got a bit of a worse reputation, but yeah, I, I um I think it's a great religion.
1: What do you do? Like when you're on tour, like wh- how do you, I call it the space of genius. Yeah. The space of genius of where you have to create space. A lot of people time block their day from meeting podcast show, uh responding to emails, like just getting obsessed with like getting things done. But mm-hmm. then there's, for me that I've learned in my journey, like getting obsessed with space. That's where that genius comes in, right? That's why I like to call it the space of genius. It's those moments of creativity. It's those moments of uh, being alone where you can just be able to think things through. That's Mm -hmm. where I feel like I'm most creative as I've started writing a little bit, Mm -hmm. but then it's also that fine line of, my procrastinating? Yeah. <laughs> uh, should I be on more calls? Should I be trying to get more deals done? Whatever it may be. How do you battle? How do you navigate oh, those I'm, moments? Especially like when you're on tour.
0: I'm procrastinating all the time. I'm like always, always. Like, I'm like on the couch, lying in bed on YouTube. I'm like, oh, this is my space of genius. This is space of genius right now. You know, I need this. I need this. So, in case inspiration strike. And inspiration doesn't strike, but that's fine. Sometimes it comes, sometimes it just like randomly pops up. I'll have an idea. I'll figure out. Typically a lot of it is just you perform on stage. I've got my act and then I'll be like, okay, what worked? What didn't work? What do I need to change off that? Mm -hmm. And then the next morning, maybe I'll try and force myself to write. But a lot of the time I just, it's on tour, especially it's tricky just because you're always on the move. Mm -hmm. I always sleep on it. I'm like, ASAP asleep on airplanes all the time. So I'm like not working there and traveling yeah. just like when I'm back at the Airbnb or the hotel, I'll try and get some, I'll try and get some stuff done, but um, it's tricky, man. I don't know. I'm still working on it.
1: Yeah. That's like I said, when I saw you post your, even with artists that it, like Taylor Swift, obviously she's making quadrillion trillions of dollars. But like, if you see her workload, you're like, I don't care how much money you're making. That's fucking crazy.
0: Yeah, oh, it's crazy. That's it's always amazing. I mean, I'll like, I'll sing one song one time at a concert, and I'll have lost my voice yeah. for like three days. She's able to sing like for four hours nonstop. She's amazing. It's crazy. I went to see her in Mexico City. It was great.
1: Have you sold your soul? No. Will you?
0: Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. Why not? You know, it's, what's a soul, you know, what do you mean by a soul? Like your moral compass, your ethics or whatever? I think if Saudi Arabia, I think that's the easiest example right now. It's like, would Saudi, if Saudi Arabia paid you a hundred million dollars, would you take it to film a special? I'd be like, absolutely. It's a hundred million dollars. And it's coming. Yes. Saudi Arabia is fucked. You know, who else is fucked? America. You know, who else has fucked? England. You know, who else is fucked? Every country's fucked. We're just trying to pretend, and we like you know we always shit on Saudi Arabia because they're like oh they don't believe in you know gay marriage or something like that. And it's like well America didn't believe in gay marriage until like nine years ago. How are we pretending to be like the great upstander of the world? Mm-hmm. And it's so I'm just you know if we were some example like that I'd be like selling your soul. Maybe check check your internal your internal wiring first. Yeah, everyone's butthole's got a price, you know. Yeah, exactly. And mine's very low, (laughs) just to be clear. Mine's mine's as low as as my next meal. Have you been to Abu Dhabi? No, I've been to Dubai. Okay, never Abu Dhabi. What's in Abu Dhabi? What's in Abu Dhabi?
1: Oh wait, this is showing my ignorance right here. Um, wait, where the fuck is Abu Dhabi?
0: They're both in the UAE, which is the United Arab Emirates.
1: Okay. I watch UFC and I know yeah. that's what
0: Dana White said. So I was like, all right, well, it's the same thing,
1: right? What did he say? What did he say? Oh, he said. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, it's the same thing over there. Yeah. It's yeah, all yeah. it's all over there.
0: Yeah, you got Saudi, you got um Israel. I don't think there are many events going on there. But then the UAE is a bit on the peninsula. It's very beautiful. Okay. Yep, man-made is- island man-made islands. Yeah, that's that's wild.
1: Yeah. But I think that's where I mean, that's where it's going down, right? Like follow the money. It's where you see Ronaldo going. It's where you see like all these crazy events. It's where you see influencers going. But that's definitely on the list, on my list, as far as first off, figuring out where the fuck it is. <laughs> uh, that, that's step number one. Step number two is there's some crazy shit going down over there. There's some wild stuff. Yeah. Where would you want to, like, what's, what's on the bucket list?
0: Mm. Well, I'd love to sell out a stadium mm. is like the professional dream. Where, where are you going to do it at? I, when I made a bucket list, it was the O two in uh, in uh, in in London. But now I'm kind of like Ohio Stadium, baby. The shoe, the shoe. How could Let's you not go? How could you not want to do the shoe? It would be awesome. So I think the dream would be to do the shoe, and then beyond that, just kind of live a good life maybe win some like senior Olympics. I think, I think like the time for like being like a regular Olympics has gone yeah, and man. I don't want to do the Paralympics. Cause that feels like I'd have to do something that feels like I'd have to limit my life Go back in to order to compete. Up. So I yeah. just want senior Olympics, something I just get really good.
1: I think Wexner's putting one on here pretty soon.
0: Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Like you just
1: kick you in the shin and then you got to crawl around. <laughs> and, <laughs> that uh, works
0: for me as long as he's doing okay. How do you think he's doing? I think he's been in the news.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Trying to see what other rabbit holes I can put you down. (laughs) Columbus is wild, isn't it? It's like, uh, once it sucks in, you're like, yeah. I like the shoe now. I like Columbus. It feels like home.
0: It really, it is. It does feel like home. There are certain parts, you know, I wish that's a bucket list. I wish I had a home in the German village. That'd be so nice just to live there. Damn, bro,
1: you are going against your people. Yeah, I know. You are going against your people. I'm so pro my
0: people. I'm Catholic. I saw yeah. you walk in. You did one of those. I was like, whoa. Yeah, I know. Shit. Good. Good. That's just like how I like to greet people with these yeah. things. man. Yeah.
1: I saw you uh, growing your mustache out a little bit too. I'm like, bro, are you sure? Yeah, it's a lot of <laughs> a
0: lot of a lot of red flags. <laughs> Literally. The red and black flags. What can I help
1: you with? Is there anything I
0: can help you with? What's what's the trick? What's the trick to a happy life? Oh, man. How do you fill your time that you're happy?
1: I think the the key that I've learned, man, is peace of mind. Just I'm 29. You're 25. I think we're in a unique era with having so much information, but yet what is the right information? Being able to be exactly who you want to be, but also not being able to potentially be who you want to be. As far as happiness, talk about it all the time, just how crucial your environment is of people, places, things. I think that's what is so intriguing to me about comedians is like, you're going and meeting so many new people, going to so many different new places, doing so many different unique things and, or maybe not, right? Like maybe you're like, nope, I'm going here. This is all business in and out. And then you, again, you hear some other wild stories, same with artists and you know celebrities and whatnot. But as far as the key to happiness, man, like what I've learned over this past year is to be more of a servant, not a people pleaser, to be with the right person as far as a significant other, just make sure your house is in order before you start judging other people's houses and controlling what's inside your four walls, right? Uh, That's helped me tremendously and just peace of mind, right? Like nothing else matters unless you have peace of mind. And that's when I feel like I can be my most real, authentic, organic, genuine self, and not really caring about the repercussions of what I say on here. Because I'm like, I know who I am, I know what I'm about, and I'm here to serve people and I'm here to have fun, and that's why I love this this platform. Because I'm just getting started. This is the ultimate way for me to show uh, who I am, and you know, be able to make people's life better along the way. So that makes me happy.
0: That's great. That's so great. You're fired up ready yeah. to run through brick wall let's go let's yeah. go uh well
1: cool we got to wrap up here i want to be mindful of your time because we can't afford you after a couple more minutes yeah. these days too. you got to get out there to town hall and tear it up <laughs> appreciate you coming on here bro we'll have all your uh your info below in the bio anything else you want to share us with
0: um just if you're listening come or watching come see me on tour i'm gonna be in pretty much every city uh cross america in 2024 so check out my instagram or linked uh or website for all the dates and yeah and i'll be headlining the columbus funny bone as well on august 15th so come on out for that if you're in columbus okay. let's go boom